When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring, we're joined by Willie Donick, the Nashville Predators' play-by-play announcer on Fox Sports Tennessee. He's also a former Commodore in both basketball and baseball from 1989 to 1992, so he was able to provide thoughtful insight on the hiring of Clark Lee as the 29th head football coach at Vanderbilt and the impact that his relationship with Tim Corbin might have played into him saying yes to Vanderbilt. We also dive into Coach Lee's introductory press conference and basketball's victory over Radford without Coach Stackhouse on the sideline. We've got all that and much more coming up on The Door Report. Let's ride. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615 356 0303, that's 615 356 0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we get to today's breaking news, it's now time to send it over to Will Byram for a few words on the recycling dudes. You may ask, who are the recycling dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, the recycling dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome back into The Door Report. It is episode 59 on a Sunday evening. December the 20th is the date. We are just five short days away from Christmas. We are, as always, presented by the great folks at Alaco Hardwood Flooring. I'm unfortunately not joined by my co-host, Will Byram, but I'm still here rocking and rolling here with the first segment. Will was able to join me for our interview with Willie Donick, so uh, definitely stay tuned for that. Willie Donick, former Vanderbilt basketball and baseball player from 89 to 92. And he now serves as the Nashville Predators play-by-play announcer on Fox Sports Tennessee. So always great to check in with our good friend, Willie Donick. We will talk all things Commodore sports. We'll dive mostly into the Clark Lee introductory press conference. We'll also touch on uh, basketball's victory over Radford, 59-50. 
last night as well. And we'll also touch on uh, the rest of their season and how um, how they could potentially look in SEC play and what their ceiling might be as we get closer to year 2021. Finally, 2020 almost over. So before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. We're also looking for new sponsorships across all platforms. So don't hesitate to contact us. That's doorreport at gmail.com, doorreport at gmail.com. All right, as we jump into the latest headlines presented by the Recycling Dudes, Clark Lee looked very impressive in his introductory press conference this morning. It was very interestingly timed, 10 a.m. this morning on a Sunday with you know a lot of the national media getting ready to cover the Tennessee Titans and even a lot of the national college football writers covering uh, the college football playoff announcements and seedings and all kinds of things. Vanderbilt's uh, athletic director, Candace Lee, decided to uh, plan this for 10 a.m. this morning. It was probably due to um, Clark Lee's role still as the defensive coordinator there at Notre Dame. Uh, they had, boy, they had a tough loss against Clemson. Um, and, and Clark, quick turnaround. I mean, that's, that's, that's the life of a college coach. Uh, not much sleep. So, uh, uh, he actually mentioned in his press conference that, uh, he's, he looks forward to getting, he's going to look forward to getting some sleep. And, uh, you know, then as Notre Dame, uh, approaches the playoff, you know, continue coaching that defense, uh, but then get rolling, uh, with the Vanderbilt Commodores and, some interesting quotes uh, came from it. He um, obviously emphasized authenticity, and you know he had a lot of very intriguing comments. I want to start here on rebuilding uh, the roster that, as we've touched on, is now getting closer to 40 players either opting out or transferring uh, since the end of last season. He said, in quote, this is going to be a program that's built on relationships. So how do we start to rehabilitate and rebuild he said, it's in spending time together and getting to know each other and investing in each other. This has to be new. This has to be different just by nature of what we want to accomplish. It has to be different day in and day out. There's going to have to be an element of trust that's defaulted as we get this going. But that trust is going to give way to really deeply embedded friendships and relationships because humans are still emotional beings. And one thing that Clark Lee, you know, really harped on was relationships. And, you know, I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans were fully aware of that um, heading into, you know, this press conference. And, and, and as we, uh, you know, realized that he would be the next head coach of, of the Vanderbilt football program, but it, re- it keeps bringing me back to the personable coach that he is and, and kind of comparing him to, you know, I, I know he doesn't like to compare himself to other coaches or other programs, which is what a coach should do. Um, but, I, it brings me back to the James Franklin era and how James Franklin knew they weren't going to go nine and four, you know, 10 and three in year one. They were able to go six and six and make a bowl appearance in the Liberty Bowl in his first season. They lost the Liberty Bowl to Cincinnati, a very good Cincinnati team. But that first season, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, obviously. They had six losses, but they found a way to get to bowl eligibility in his first season. And I'm not saying that's the the potential in the ceiling in Clark Lee's first season, but James Franklin was able to do that much in his first season 
after a depleted roster, really, if you look back at it, um, following Robbie Caldwell's two-year tenure at Vanderbilt. And and now you roll into you know a season like 2020, and it's even depleted as ever. And Clark Lee is, is walking into a program that um, just isn't in good shape, and we all know that. So, you know, offensively, will definitely be there's going to be a lot of focus there and and he said before that the offensive coordinator and the strength and conditioning coach are going to be his his two most important hires and and right off the bat you know he I don't think Clark Lee has said something that that I was surprised by um now I I, I've had several people um comment to me about okay Clark Lee is you know here's what you're going to get from him so that's likely why I haven't really been surprised by a lot of his quotes but one that really struck me and and you know this could be coach speak but he said, I have one mission here at Vanderbilt, and that is to win. That is to win. And yes, you build relationships. Yes, you know, the decisions of hiring offensive coordinators and strength and conditioning coaches are very important as well. But the focus on winning as a culture is going to be massive uh, here early on for, for Clark Lee. And another interesting one uh, from Clark Lee was this. He said, in quote, I didn't think I was going to get the opportunity this early. He's referring to coaching Vanderbilt, but by God, I'm not going to screw it up. So that was one of you know many quotes that, uh, as as someone associated with Vanderbilt, kind of you know made you look a little bit bright eyed and say, "Hey, this this guy is you know this guy gets it." And and Jordan Matthews, you know, the best receiver in Vanderbilt school history, you could argue. I, I think a lot of people would say that. He tweeted. He said. Clark has the eye of the tiger and, and that's, um, that's something that, you know, you don't hear very often, um, especially, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously Derek Mason, ton of, ton of support, but Clark Lee to be able to keep that rolling with the, a lot, with a lot of the alumni and, and maybe even bringing some of those guys back, um, to campus, you got several players, former players who played under coach Mason, a guy like Austin Carter Samuels, who is helping the quarterbacks over at Missouri uh, would be a great guy to bring back. He's won um, at, at a high level at Vanderbilt as a quarterback. And and even Chris Marv, who was on this staff a couple of years ago, he's now the linebackers coach at Florida State. So just some of those former players um, that um, they, they'll definitely be options uh, for, for, coach, for Coach Lee to potentially bring back. And he also touched on his coaching influences. He touched on uh, Bobby Johnson. He said, in quote, Bobby and his staff, you know, here were so formative. I, I watched Coach Johnson every day transform this place. It was a long process, but he was steadfast and he never flinched. That was impactful. Getting my start at UCLA, it was Carl Durrell's staff. <laughs> Interesting, Carl Durrell was actually at Vanderbilt, as we all know, under Coach Mason. John Stiegelmeyer at South Dakota State, where I reconnected with some of those core values that are so important in terms of how we let our players maintain their dignity and how we teach them and instruct them and communicate with them every single day a message that's positive and inspiring and how we build toughness without stripping away and coaching them in a way that's demanding but not demeaning. And that was something that definitely struck me also because last week, last podcast, we had Brian Driscoll um, covers Notre Dame for Irish Breakdown, and he talked about how Coach Lee rarely ever yells and you know is rarely ever demeaning towards a player and looking down on a player and you know that it was interesting but that style you know we've seen especially at Vanderbilt with a guy like Tim Corbin has succeeded yes it's a different sport but college college sports is college sports and 
you know, coaching styles definitely carry over. And with a guy like Tim Corbin in your camp, if you're Clark Lee, you got to be encouraged by it. So um, Clark Lee's introductory press conference obviously wrapped up today and he kind of made the rounds at Vanderbilt. They had lunch with Mr. C, the mascot, and they ended up heading back. Him and his family did uh, ended up heading back to South Bend. So um, definitely encouraged by a lot of the statements from Clark Lee. We'll talk a lot more about um, many of his comments with Willie Donick coming up later on the podcast. But let's roll on now to basketball. Vanderbilt has improved to four and three and one rather on the season after a big time victory over Radford that they definitely needed. And Willie mentioned it. It also he said it, it wasn't pretty. It, it really wasn't pretty, and that's how it's been uh, most of the time this season for Vanderbilt. It, it really hasn't looked good, uh, but they found a way to beat Radford. Final score was fifty-nine to fifty. Scotty Pippen Jr. twenty-five points. He matched a career high, and Vanderbilt found a way. They 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 just kept scratching and clawing and found a way. They hit some big shots. Um, Maxwell Evans. Uh, drove in the middle of the paint, kicked it out to Scotty Pippen for a dagger three that we shared to our account. So um, Pippen, again, has looked very, very good. 25 points, 7 assists against Radford. Dylan DeSue had 12. Quentin Melora Brown had 7. There were a few guys that had 3. Trey Thomas had 5 points. So uh, the Commodores still aren't quite shooting the ball well enough to um, – compete at a high level in the SEC. They sh- they were 8 for 27 from three-point range. That's nearly 30%. Uh, DJ Harvey did not play well. He didn't play a whole lot. He only played 11 minutes, but um, again, didn't do too much in terms of production when he did go in. But a key for this Vanderbilt team is, is uh, and it's always been, making threes. They didn't shoot well, but a win is a win, and, and, and Jerry Stackhouse will take that. Adam Mazurai, the assistant coach, was uh, the interim for one game, Jerry Stackhouse had to sit out uh, because of the death of uh, his father. Uh, but we'll look ahead to Tuesday night's matchup at Davidson. So Vanderbilt, um, they've always, you know, Davidson's always played Vanderbilt tough. This will be at Davidson. Davidson's four and three overall. That'll be a six o'clock tip off. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. Davidson, according to ESPN matchup predictor, uh, ESPN's Backball Power Index. Davidson is a seven seventy eight percent chance to beat Vanderbilt. So uh, the the odds are not in Vanderbilt's favor, but if they can get this win against Davidson, improve to four and one on the season, and then defeat Alcorn State, be five and one heading into the December thirtieth SEC opener against Florida at home, they'll be in good shape because you know then you have a little bit of breathing room. You're five and one, even if you take a couple losses early in the SEC, you still have a decent overall record. Um, but at this point in the season right now, Vanderbilt needs to continue to get reps. You know they are they're behind the eight ball in terms of uh, repetitions and, and and getting these guys games in. And Willie even mentioned it also. DJ Harvey, um, you know, still kind of just not looking quite one hundred percent. Whether that's you know not being in shape or, or you know, just not being on the court enough um, this season. You know, he had he had contact tracing with COVID, uh, that situation. Uh, but they got their big three back with Cleavon Brown, uh, Miles Studi, and DJ Harvey. Jordan Wright was also back. So they got a lot of their guys back. So they're back at full strength, and we'll see what they do Tuesday night against Davidson on the road. Again, ESPN Plus, 6 o'clock tip here in Nashville. All right, coming up next... Will Byron and I talked to a good friend, Willie Donick. He is the Nashville Predators play-by-play announcer on Fox Sports Tennessee. He also played for the Vanderbilt basketball program 
and uh, and under Eddie Fogler. So uh, definitely some some good perspective on Vanderbilt basketball. He also played baseball uh, at Vanderbilt before Tim Corbin's time. But, um, you know, he is he is definitely, um, you know, produced at a high level as an athlete, but also as a broadcaster here in the local Nashville area. So definitely stay tuned. Willie Donick, the Nashville Predators play-by-play announcer, is coming right up here on The Door Report. Stay tuned. As we welcome you back into The Door Report, Will Byron and I are now happy to be joined by Willie Donick. He is the current Nashville Predators play-by-play announcer on Fox Sports Tennessee. You can hear him on 102.5 The Game with Darren McFarland and Chase McCabe weekdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. He also played in 70 games for the Vanderbilt basketball program uh, from 1989 to 1992 and scored 122 points. He also played baseball. Uh, He was a Vandy boy at one time and was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in 1993. Willie, thanks for taking the time to join us. Good to be with you guys again. Yeah, good good stats. Good stats (laughs) coming back today right there. I was going to ask, who did you play? Who were the coaches you played under uh, as a basketball player and baseball player? Well, for basketball, I I actually was signed to a scholarship by C.M. Newton mm-hmm. in 1989. And that was the year that uh, Kentucky got thrown on to big major probation. Mm-hmm. And so they lured C.M. Newton back to his alma mater to become the athletic director. And he hired mm-hmm. Rick Pitino as the mm-hmm. coach. So I never played for Coach Newton. I got instead to play for Eddie Fogler, who was mm. uh, an outstanding coach. I had a great experience with him. And uh, for baseball, it was for, it was Roy Muburn, who was there for a long, long time. Uh, he succeeded uh, Larry Schmidow, who had some great success in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And Coach Muburn was there from, I believe, 1979 all the way through to when Coach uh, Tim Corbin took over in 2002. So he had a long, long run there. Yeah. Uh, so – couple of great coaches no doubt about it and we'll definitely i want to get into kind of the the baseball you know switching kind of an era you playing before tim corn we'll talk a little bit about that but um a guy that tim corn very familiar with is clark lee and, and he was named vanderbilt's football coach um last week and and you know he he obviously had a quick uh <laughs> quick uh you know turnaround after notre dame's tough loss to clemson but uh you know he's he's nonetheless uh he was here this morning at the introductory press conference how would you grade i know we like to kind of put grades on these press conferences and and, and you know over react to them but but if you were to place a grade on on how he performed today and what he said in this press conference how how would you grade that yeah it's always something that that first impression is something that we always look for right the the term winning the press conference it can be a little hollow but uh the thing that jumped out to me uh you know just matching him up with all of the things that i've heard about him over time as he started to surface as a guy that uh, was was a leading candidate is how much he had really in his mind and in his experiences uh, built up towards this moment, right? Mm -hmm. To be a head coach, but also a head coach specifically at Vanderbilt, having played uh, at Vanderbilt, having grown up in Nashville, all of the people he sought out uh, to learn about their experiences and and find out how they build the program. He's got a great blend of a knowledge of Vanderbilt, of Nashville, and he's, it's not like he's been here his whole life. You know, he went out and experienced UCLA and Wake Forest and, and, play, and Notre Dame and places like that. So I, I think he's really prepared himself extremely well for this moment. And that, that showed today in the, in the press conference. 
Yeah, a lot of those questions obviously related to facilities and upgrades and, and things of that nature. And he he directly addressed some of those things, but but kind of wanted to slant everything back towards his focus is, of course, going to be on winning there. But for Vanderbilt fans that have seen it for years and years, the the promise of future upgrades seems to be it seems to be the thing that Vanderbilt fans are a little hesitant to buy fully into. Do you think that with the new chancellor, Chancellor Deermeyer in there, new athletic direct, director and new football coach, that these that these are actually going to happen in the near future? I'll tell you what, uh, you know, just in being in this town as long as I have in the in sports talk, you know, that it's been a running theme for so long, <laughs> in, particularly with football. You know, when you, when you look at uh, Vanderbilt's overall athletic program, if you look at the last 10 to 15 years, they've had a lot of success in a lot of different sports and even in football, football compared to, you know, let's just take 1983 through 2008 where they never went to a bowl game, you know, since 2008, they've had quite a run of, you know, they've beaten Tennessee several times. They've gotten some wins against Georgia. You know, they, they've done some things that I never saw happen when, when I was in school. Uh, but because they are, are very much perceived to be behind everybody else in the league, um, it's always the first thing that comes up and it sort of defines the whole athletic program. Uh, so I, I think Candace Story Lee absolutely is aware of that. Chancellor Deermeyer, very aware of that. And from the people that told me behind the scenes about Clark Lee, I, I think they all said the same thing, that he would not have been so interested in this job if he didn't think he had the backing uh, of, of those things. Uh, and um, because he knows what the challenge is like, right? He knows if you don't bring it strong at Vanderbilt in football, you'll get buried in this league, as, as we've seen. If you slip for Vanderbilt football, you're going to finish last. You're going to get trampled on. Um, but I thought, having said that, I thought he had a really interesting approach to those questions because he got peppered with them. And yeah. I don't think I've ever heard a coach – uh, say what he said, you know, he wasn't like, Oh yeah, we need this. We need this. We need this. We need a facility. We need a stadium. He went a different direction. You know, he, and I think deep down, he knows they want and need all of those things, but he wanted to say, you know, it's going to be about building the foundation, building the culture that he's going to focus on. And he basically, he called it the structures. He said, he thinks the structures will sort of take care of themselves, but I think really it's, it's chancellor Deermeyer and it's, it's uh, Dr. Lee that are going to help him along get those things. And he wants to build something that's worthy of, uh, of getting behind. I, I think that's what his focus is going to be. And you hear a lot of, that's a lot of Tim Corbin influence right there. You can tell. No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, that kind of leads me right into this question. And I, I was ta telling Will a couple episodes ago that he's got a lot of guys in his camp, even a guy like James Franklin, um, you know, who who is obviously did some good things at Vanderbilt and, and is in his camp. And you got Tim Corbin as well. You you played baseball at Vanderbilt, um, you know, but, you know, weren't necessarily able to play under Tim Corbin. But obviously, you know, what he's done at, 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 with the baseball program is is unparalleled. And how much do you think his relationship with Clark played into his decision to, to kind of say yes uh, to Vandy? I think it was instrumental for sure that that relationship that was cultivated a long time ago. Uh, you know, as, as Clark said today at the press conference, when he was playing, he goes from being a college baseball player, sort of a marginal player, wants to take a shot at football and has a good experience playing for Bobby Johnson but while that's happening, he's seeing 
Tim Corbin build the foundation of a great program that, as he called it, he was generous. I was glad he used the word mediocrity because, mm-hmm. yes, we, we were okay. Like when I was playing, we, we had some, some good teams, but like uh, Vanderbilt's football program a lot, you know, you, we were fighting behind in the resource battle. Um, our, our coaching staff did not have the same things as other teams in the league. It's an incredibly tough league. SEC baseball is very much like SEC football. And so we could compete up to a point, but there was, it was a level that you really couldn't break through without really getting, you know, some, some different layers of support. And so I think Clark Lee saw that he saw that in in front of his own eyes. And so he sought out Tim Corbin and basically said, okay, how are you doing this? What's the secret? Uh, So I think he's got that same kind of mentality and Tim Corbin he doesn't do this for everybody, right? But uh, Tim Corbin, the minute that Clark Lee was reportedly going to take the job, Tim Corbin was not afraid to go on uh, record and saying, yeah, this mm-hmm. is a guy that I believe in. Um, he was quick to say, yeah, I, you know, they bounced some things off of me, but it was, it was Candace Story Lee. It was Chancellor Deermeyer that were conducting the search. I wasn't quote officially on the, on the committee, but he was a guy that I think, was instrumental in behind the scenes in saying this is a guy that fits the profile of uh, of what we need here. Yeah, and that coming in obviously Clark Lee is facing a pretty tough uphill battle in the current state of issues that Vanderbilt football has with the the extremely large number of opt outs and transfers um, of pretty key guys, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Um, for Vanderbilt, while the cupboard's not completely bare, do you think that Lee's going to be able to bring back any of these guys that we saw opt out before the season due to COVID nineteen, or do you think it's pretty much starting from square one for him? I think you have to assume that it'll, it'll be square one to a large degree. Um, I think what happens when a new coach comes in, uh, I, I think you're you're just I, you heard Clark Lee say this you don't really worry about what happened before you you're starting in your own mind, whatever square one is, that's where you're starting anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So I think if some of the guys are smart, I think if he makes a good first impression, then I think you might have some people intrigued and uh, you know, in, in this day and age, it's very easy to transfer and just think the grass is greener on the other side. Um, I, I would, I would go back and, look at the first few uh, teams that Tim Corbin had uh, on the surface, they didn't appear to be all that great, uh, but it didn't take very long to, to get some momentum going. He got more mileage out of those guys than the previous coaching staff. Um, you found out that there was maybe more talent there than you thought. The same thing happened with James Franklin. Uh, he took over a, a team that probably had a little bit more talent than it appeared because the results were so bad and he got a ton out of that talent. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be approached for, for Clark Lee. I love, uh, I, I think Ken Seals is a guy you can win with. If he mm-hmm. continues to develop, he got an, an enormous amount of uh, experience at an extremely, extremely young age. He's got a really good arm. He, he's got some tools. I like his, his makeup, his leadership, you know, that always helps. Like Bo- Bobby Johnson inherited Jay Cutler. No, nobody knew anything about Jay Cutler and, and he gave him a chance to, to be somewhat competitive when the cupboard was extremely bare. So, um, We'll just have to see. And also remember, too, you can bring in graduate transfers. You can bring in transfers from other places. So there are ways to maybe rebuild a little faster 
than it was before. But it, it'll definitely be a, a building project. You're going to have to start uh, building from scratch. You touched on James Franklin earlier there, Willie, and and I, I want to touch on his symmetry that he seemed to have with with Tim Corbin in in, in, the, in the baseball program. And you know, knowing James Franklin, he is a very smart guy. You know, looking over at that baseball program, he says, "Okay, that's a successful program. Let's get in. Let's get into Tim Corbin's mind and see what we can do here." Now, you know, they're best friends, and you know, Derek Mason comes in. I'm not saying you know he didn't have a good relationship with with Tim Corbin, but how how much of 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 Tim Corbin at that baseball program plays into football team success. Does it play into it at all? Or, or cause you did see Tim Corbin, you know, talk to the, the football program under coach Mason, but how much of a, of a successful, can a successful baseball program play into the success of another sport, you know, like basketball or football? I think smart coaches uh, love to pick the brain of other successful coaches, particularly at the same, at the same school. And I think, uh, I think Derek Mason had a good relationship with Tim Corbin, maybe not quite the same, uh, you know, depth that, that James Franklin did, because those two, as we know, remain very close. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it's always very, a very smart thing. James Franklin would be the first to tell you, he said the, the one of the first guys he went and had some in-depth conversations with was Tim Corbin when he got on the campus. And so I think that's a, that's always a wise choice. You look at uh, a guy who's doing, the incredible things that Tim Corbin is doing. And, you know, why wouldn't you try to absorb as much as you can, but there are other coaches that are doing some great things too. Um, so I, I think, I think he'll do that. I, the, the great thing for Clark Lee is he's already done a lot of that groundwork. He's laid that groundwork. Mm -hmm. uh, so he studied a lot of people. So I think, I think all of that will serve him well when, when he gets on campus. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty big change for Clark Lee coming into Vanderbilt with obviously very different aspirations and expectations from leaving Notre Dame, um, coaching uh, in an ACC championship game, and then coming to Nashville at 10 a.m. the next day to do this press conference. That's a pretty big, pretty big turnaround and pretty big difference. But what, what, in your opinion, just taking a step back, are your expectations kind of by year for Clark Lee? I know that's a pretty broad question, and, and there's a lot of unanswered things around it, but just right now, kind of your expectations. I think the first thing that you want to do is, um, like, like he was talking about a lot, you, you want your team to look a certain way, right? Even if they're not winning the amount of games that, that you hope eventually that they will that they play a certain way, they look a certain way. I remember watching, uh, uh, not to make all of this about, about Tim Corbin or about James Franklin, but those are, you know, benchmarks of guys that you look for a lot. You know, both of them, th those first teams, they weren't their best teams, but you notice something about the way they played, right? There mm -hmm. was an energy, there was a, a continuity. You watched every, you watched the attention to detail on the bench. Uh, on the sideline, right? There was just a different vibe about it. I think that's the first thing you want to look for. Uh, one thing that James Franklin did, I thought that was very smart, especially at the beginning, and who knows what he would have done differently had he stayed a little longer, but he's scheduled smart, right? I've mm -hmm. always been a proponent yes. of, you know, especially with the non-conference, you've got to schedule some W's. As James Franklin said over and over and over, you know, he took some heat. He, he rescheduled some games that, that were on the, on the docket and got out of them. And, you know, you know, he replaced them with some games that were much more winnable. And he said, listen, when you're building a program, there is no advantage at all for strength of schedule. 
Now, there isn't college basketball. Jerry Stackhouse has got to look at it differently. If he wants to go to the NCAA tournament, your non-conference schedule has got – it can't be a, a bunch of cupcakes. But in football, when you're trying to get levels of uh, competitiveness and build the program, you got to get some Ws. So that, that's, that's one thing I would look at for sure to see what they do. And then, uh, you know, then he got hit with this, but we'll see what he does to try to, you know, what's the philosophy? Is he going to try to, he, he mentioned the running game today. He didn't really get very specific. There's not a particular um, strategy. I think that he's got in mind. He's not bringing the eye bone or, you know, any kind of spread <laughs> offense that you know is coming with, uh, with Clark Lee. So I think that's a little bit of an open canvas. So we'll see what he's got up his sleeve there. Whereas okay. James Franklin is more of an offensive mind. And he brought he brought that right to the table. No triple option, huh? No, uh, no, no. Jeff Munkin at That's Army. Probably a, uh, to a lot of Vanderbilt fans. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, I want to go here, Willie. One more football one. Um, you know, he he preached a lot about authenticity in in his uh, pre- introductory press conference. And um, you know, I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans kind of point to um, the uniforms a lot and, and getting back to you know the simplified look of you know, the, the gold helmets and, and just really simple, you know, I mean, the, the sides of the uniform jerseys has gray now. And a lot, I know a lot of Vanderbilt fans are not, are not in favor of that. So, you know, do you think that's a possibility? You think that's something Clark might think about those uniform switch and, and maybe kind of going back, you know, I'm not going to say the glory days, but you know, James Franklin even had a simpler look. So kind of going back to that simplified look at, of authenticity and saying, you know, this we're real and, 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 you know, we have to be different. Um, you know, to, to change the culture? Good question. I, I, uh, I'm curious to see what his ideas are. Every coach is different. James Franklin, you know, he, I, I remember going to a function he had at the Vanderbilt bookstore. We yeah. had all the players yep. decked out. You guys remember that? And yeah, I was they there. Three, they had three different helmets and they had three different jerseys. You know, they, they had a lot of different things going on, but it had a purpose behind it. Yeah. Um, and so I would look for that. Uh, Tim Corbin had a, a funny line. He says, I've, you know, I've been here uh, however long it's been. He's been here since 2002, <laughs> 19 years. I've seen at least 19 different helmets. It's probably really <laughs> more than that. Really, you get I heard that. Yeah, I was yeah. laughing. So, so honestly, I, if go, going back as far, you, you know, you can flip through a media guide. There's been a ton of different looks, even the shades of gold are quite yeah. a bit different through the years. You know, is it, is it more of a yellowish gold? Is it the, the, you know, the old gold, which is really the color that, you know, is behind your backdrop right now uh-huh. uh, is really what they've gone with, which is good. There's been more of a mustardy gold at one time or another. So I, I think he'll probably have, he'll probably want to put his stamp on it. Uh, but I, yeah. I'm with you guys. I, I think you want to have something distinctive. I think Vanderbilt's got great colors, great logo. You just want, uh, when, when your team is playing, you want everybody to know it's Vanderbilt. You want a, a sharp look where you say, okay, I know who's playing today. Yeah, I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans are in agreement with you on that one. And uh, you know, getting into basketball, they you know they got a nice clean look for their uniforms, and they're off to a three and one start. Uh, so Willie, it's you know obviously it's been a crazy year for college basketball, and and Will and I we were talking about it. Will Will was talking about how you know this could have an asterisk to it, you know, in terms of Jerry Stackhouse in his coaching career at Vanderbilt. So uh, so far, uh, you know, what are kind of the impressions? And I know they got a good win uh, over Radford Saturday. Coach Stack um, obviously coaching with a heavy heart he you know he was was not able to be there but uh here early on Willie what's uh what are the early impressions and um you know heading into a very tough SEC slate I think uh I think Jerry Stackhouse has got a very good plan uh it has really 
been tricky, what they're trying to do. They've got a lot of new players. They've gone from having, you know, just looking and trying to find enough players to, to have seven or eight guys that are SEC caliber, right? That was last year. And, and honestly, if Aaron Neesmith had not gotten hurt, I think they could have been very competitive uh, just because of the special player that Neesmith turned out to be. And we'll never know what happened there. And, of course, they lost Cleavon Brown early in the season, too. Mm-hmm. So they were playing some guys last year that, quite honestly, were not really SEC players, right? They're, they're maybe even fringe Division One players in a couple of cases. And I thought he squeezed everything out of those guys. And so many of them got a lot better from mm-hmm. the beginning of the season to the end of the season, including some true freshmen like Scottie Pippen and, uh, and Dylan DeSue. I think those guys, again, it's like Ken Seals, right? They got thrown into the fire. They got whipped several times, right? They, they took their lumps, but they, they come out into their sophomore year a lot better mm-hmm. for it. Now you take with, with all these, they have transfers, they have a new recruiting class. They had plenty of scholarships to give. And I'm noticing so far, they're trying to play 12, 13 guys in some cases. So they're trying to define roles. They're trying to see who is, who's our nucleus, right? Who are we building around? Who's our best combination? And so you try to take these non-conference games normally and the preseason practices and figure that out. The problem is because of the you know COVID-19, they had to stop practice for a while. Mm-hmm. They've been missing some guys for some of these games. They haven't had as many games. So that whole process that you normally would go through has been challenged. So I, I'm, that's what he's trying to do right now is figure out who, out of all these guys, who are my eight or nine that I'm going to really play when you start playing league games. But, uh, you know, one of the key guys, for example, is DJ Harvey. They, he's a guy mm-hmm. that they're counting on heavily. And he just got back in there last night and you could tell he was a little rusty you know when when you get contact trace you can't practice you know it's like some he's been away from the team i don't even know how that works exactly but it's very very tough but uh i was glad they grinded it out last night it wasn't the prettiest thing at all to see and they really struggled the first half back against richmond who's a very good team it took them at least the half to get going there and they didn't even have cleveland brown or dj harvey in that game so uh there's a lot to battle here if you're Jerry Stackhouse, but I like what I see. We're talking about how does a team look when they're out there? What, what jumps out at you? I think he's got a good look and presence when, when he's got those guys out there, they've built a good foundation. Yeah. You touched on uh, DJ Harvey there and, and even another transfer, Quentin Maloa Brown has gotten some big minutes too. And um, you know, even some of the younger guys. So one more to close it out, Willie, for this basketball team and what, what, what would you say is their ceiling in SEC play? You know, they're, they're almost done with, with non-conference play right now uh, in terms of maybe a win total um, and, and just, you know, performance wise, what, what, what can we expect? And, and then maybe a potential ceiling um, as they get into SEC play. It's a really tough, thing to, to look at because I think there are a couple things going on. The league is not as deep and as strong as it, as it has been. So it's very wide open. And then who, what teams can play the most games with their real guys, right? I think you can see scenarios where uh, you might be scheduled to play Auburn and Alabama, and those two teams might be missing two or three guys. Just like Richmond got a chance to play Vanderbilt without three critical mm-hmm. guys right and they won the game a lot easier than they would have i think so that's gonna that's gonna skew i think you know any kind of prediction that i would give you but 
I think that they're, I think that they will win their share. Uh, I think they're good enough now to beat the lower tier teams in the league uh, much, much more so than, than what they have been the last couple of years. You know, I, I think they should, I think, I, it, you know, barring a situation where they have a rash of injuries again, or a rash of situations where they're missing a lot of key guys, I think they can double their win total in the league, but how many, how many, how many league games will they end up playing? I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, that's, it's hard to put a number on that, but I think that, I think they'll be improved if they can continue to progress. I love Pippen and DeSue in particular, and even, even uh, Jordan Wright, they look much better this year than they did last year. Uh, they're still missing that real difference maker. I, from what I've seen of Harvey, I don't think he's in the class. Now, maybe, maybe he'll surprise me. I haven't seen him play much, but he hasn't shown anything that he's in the class of a Neesmith or a Saban Lee that can really uh, be a first-rate player in the league. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe there's another level there. And uh, Scotty Pippen is a crafty guy. He's going to score a lot. Efficiency is going to be a, a big thing for him. Um, so I, I think they'll be better than they were last year. I think next year is realistically when – I think they could make a run at getting into the tournament. Yeah, I know Billy had said one more before we close it out, uh, but I do have one really quick one. (laughs) Let's let's keep it rolling. Yeah, Yeah. let's keep it rolling here. This is more of a general college basketball question here, but we've seen all the chaos surrounding the Ohio State situation in football getting into the college football playoff with the lack of games played. And I think you're going to see a mess 10 times over seeding the NCAA tournament, hoping that everything goes as planned and that happens. You kind of you kind of talked about it with Vanderbilt with their three guys missing against Richmond. How much do you think the committee, when it does get to that time of year, is going to take into account how healthy these teams have been and how many guys have been contact traced and when key guys and key games? Because at some point, a pretty key matchup is going to be impacted heavily by COVID-19 and contact tracing. So how much do you think that is going to weigh into that decision as opposed to just you play with who you have and when head to head, it's not as much affected. I think, I think they will try to factor that in because I think that's a very important part of it for sure. But it may get to the point where there's been so many games that have been affected one way or the other, either rescheduled uh, or, you know, compromised a lot with one team or another with their lineup. I don't know if they'll be able to keep track of it all. That that's something I'm really curious to see. Because on, on one hand, you know, can they really? I, I know it's one thing if in, in a normal year, take take the, the virus aside, you know, if a, if a team was missing, let's just take Vanderbilt a few years ago, Luke Cornett, before he really blossomed as an NBA player. But he was a guy that was a very important player for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed several games. I want to say his, I don't know, sophomore or junior year. Vanderbilt ended up getting, it was the year they lost to Wichita State in mm-hmm. the uh, – in the first four, right? So they, they were one of the last four to get in the tournament. And I think it was pretty clear that uh, the fact that he was missing for several games helped Vanderbilt with a tough strength of schedule. They didn't have a whole lot of wins, but I think that gave him a little bit. The committee was like, well, they were missing a key player for a while, but in the big picture, uh, you know, there's probably, what, what about guys who, what about teams that are missing role players who aren't as good as Luke Cornett, maybe not a star, but if they're missing two or three role players for five or six games, can you really keep track of that? I don't know how easy that is to do when you get down to, I think we're going to see that this year. There's going to be a lot of guys coming in, guys coming out, guys playing different teams, playing different amounts of games. That will be very, very tough. 
I think, because it, it won't be as easy as just looking at the, the RPIs and uh, where everybody's rated because it is going to depend on when you catch some of these guys. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if the, uh, the injury curse is, is lifted as well because the, the past two years have been very oh. tough on, on Vanderbilt fans. So uh, we'll have to see about that. They, they've done well, all right, even in the midst of uh, a COVID-19 pandemic. So we'll have to see uh, how they finish the season off. But, but Willie, that'll do it here. Uh, thank you so much as always. And, uh, you know, definitely good luck. We got hockey back uh, soon. So that's obviously good news for you. So definitely excited about that. Good luck with that coverage. And again, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. All right. Good to catch up with you guys as always. And uh, we'll do it again here very soon. Let's let's hope for the best for basketball. And uh, it's the beginning of a new chapter for the football team. So good stuff.